and are going to continue to be reminded of uh, what forgiveness is and, and the need for forgiveness. You know, uh, one of the things we all, we know, this isn't a, a big uh, aha moment, I don't think, is that life produces pain, hurt, and trauma. And you can define the different stack of each of them. What is just a pain point? What is a hurt? And what may be a, a trauma? And it doesn't have to always be validated by somebody else. You know, uh, sometimes we, we try to compare our pain to someone else's pain or our trauma to someone else's trauma. That's typically a, a bad road to go on. Because the reality is, is if it hurts for you, it hurts for you. You know, yes, there may be clinical terms, you may go to a doctor and then they say, well, the pain isn't that much to qualify for anything, and the trauma wasn't that bad. And there can be truth, but it doesn't mean you don't still have work to do with it. And there can be, uh, you know, as I say, we have all have traumas we carry. These can be small t traumas, just any of those negative things that happen in life. And they can be big T traumas. Where, where you have things in your life that were maybe truly life-threatening or felt life-threatening. Where there was uh, major abuse going on that we all carry around. We have seen things that we ought not to have seen. We have heard things we probably ought not to have heard. We have thought things that if other people do, they scare them because they might scare us. And if we can remember at this point to some extent that we might learn to continue to be gracious with one another. Because there are things that you carry around that no one else may know. Because there are some people who ought not know. And not everybody I run into need to hear my story. And I don't know that I have any like major, major problems, but I've got enough. You know, I have enough that I process most times every week as I go through life. Things that have had marks that had nothing to do with me but changed the course of my life. And some of you know most of that story. We have a choice with this, though. See, sometimes we, we like all this baggage and we can, we can try to do a couple things with it. Either we sink in our baggage, our garbage, our pain, our traumas, and we let that identify us. And we have no other identity except what has happened to us. And that's a pretty defeated position to be in. Crud has happened, but you can be more than the crud that has happened. Or what we try to do is we forget it. We try to forget it. We suppress it. We hide it. We mask it any way possible in hopes that if we won't know about it, if we won't remember it, no one else will too. Kind of the old saying we have in our culture, out of sight, out of mind. But if I have a pipe leaking in the basement of the parsonage, I don't bless you, so no worries, okay? You know, I don't want any of our trustees to get worried at all. If, if, I, if, if I have a pipe that is leaking, and I just go, ah, as long as I don't see it, it's no big deal. And some of you are already rolling your eyes at that. 
I'm still going to have a deal later. I'll be honest with you, we could take this up. We, we have over, had over the years a, a mouse problem next door. When it changes season, they like to come where it's warm. And so I, I, I try to, like, you know, compromise with Alicia. I can get rid of the mice if we just keep the house cool. You know, instead of 65, if we go to 60, it's okay. Maybe they won't live well there. And, you know, I'm like, okay, that's kind of what she said to me. She would really prefer higher than 65. Then, you know, it's all right. Uh, you know, we can do that. And, and I, but I've never seen a mouse. So I could, I could say, hey, out of sight, out of mind. And what would happen? Uh, they take over. Mickey and Minnie and all of their cousins and friends and brothers and sisters would find a way. So we have found a way to remind them whose house this is. And it's not theirs. You see, we do some of these same things with the pain of life. And when we try to forget it, it will come back. One of the most groundbreaking research as of late in the area of trauma that is now in, uh, is becoming more widely accepted is the fact that if we do not process the emotional, mental, and relational pains we experience in life, when we get older, we may very well have physical pains to go with that have no biological cause. If you're hurting, please seek medical attention. But there are times when the doctors may look at you and say, there's nothing there. I can't find a reason for this. Sometimes it's because of mental and emotional pain. Where the idea coming out of uh, some great research is that the body does keep the score. body remembers our pain and our trauma. And it hurts. But there is hope. There is hope. I, hope. I want you to hear that. There is hope. And I'm not calling us today to just forget the past. I think scripture actually tells us differently. I agree with Lewis Sneed, the reformed uh, theologian who said this. We eye the evil face to face and we call it what it is. Only realists can be forgivers. We are on a path of forgiveness, this journey of forgiveness in life. To be God's people or to be people of forgiveness. So we can't negate what happens. We don't, as the ostrich, as the saying goes, the ostrich can stick their head in the sand and out of sight, out of mind. We must see life as it is. The philosopher in Scott Peck says, uh, uh, commitment to reality, mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. We can't deny, we can't uh, try to minimize the issues that are there. We must be realists. I believe Jesus was the best realist. He saw things as it really was. As we linger at this table this morning, this table doesn't look at what has happened and said, oh well, we'll just forget it and move forward. Jesus doesn't say, oh, your sin doesn't really matter that much. It didn't really hurt that much. He said, no, it did. 
Can't get around it. Sin is sin. Can't get around it. We can't describe it a different way. We can't put another word to it. Sin is always sin. But only when we're really to admit that can we get forgiveness. And can we give forgiveness. My one point this morning, and I'll say over and over again, to forgive is we must remember differently. We must remember, but we must remember differently than maybe we've had before. We must remember differently the, the true nature of things. And there is one person of many in Scripture that we're going to focus on, and Hannah already introduced us to the character. And that's the story of Joseph. So if you have your Bibles, turn in Genesis with me, starting in verse, or chapter 30 some. If you're online, grab the Bible app, or if you have our church app or another Bible app, just go there. It'll be easier for those of you that way. Alright? As we uh, remind ourselves of the story of Joseph. Joseph was one of the youngest kids in a clan of many. So how many young kids, how many almost babies do we have in the family lineup? Maybe that would be you, the youngest, right? All right, Ashlyn, Anna, Sis, that would be you. Any others willing to make you or like the baby, Logan? All right. Larry, that's, this explains a lot. We're going to go about Larry. Okay, Carol? You were, you what? Six or seven. Six or seven, you're just like Joseph. You know? And, and, and so Joseph, like a lot of times younger people, I mean, I'm a middle child, I was always the perfect one. Just ask my mother, she'll tell you differently. But, you know, she's getting a little older, her memory's not as good as mine. But mine is. I mean, you don't have to talk. You don't have to talk. See, some of you grandparents, you know, you don't need to tell all your stories about the parents often to the younger generation, okay? It's something we can allow to us to share. All right? So Joseph is one of the younger ones, and Joseph, uh, he started to have dreams. And nothing necessarily wrong with that until his dreams became a line where the youngest, 11 out of what would be 12, goes to the older ones and say, hey guys, let me tell you what I witnessed last night in my dream. You're going to bow down to me. <laughs> no? Has Hannah ever said you're going to bow down to her and serve her? No? She probably has. She's just forgotten it. It's okay. But Hannah's like, oh, all right, y'all. She acts like it. All right, so, so, after a couple times, the brothers do what any human being, they, they're done with this. In fact, I believe they say something about this idea of, let's get this dreamer away from here. And, and they're wanting to be done. Here comes that dreamer, they say, uh, chapter 37, verse 19. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. I mean, that's that sibling rivalry at its finest right there. Now they have, actually one of them has a little bit of grace because they realize that if they just kill him, no gain for them. They find people who are, who are willing to buy people for slavery and they, they decide at least we will benefit from getting rid of our younger brother. So they sell him into slavery. And he goes off to Egypt as a slave. 
Now, some of you older siblings may have wished you could get rid of your younger sibling, right, Jordan? I didn't ask you, Ash. I knew what you would say. All right? And yet they do. Then we find out that Joseph, it doesn't really stop him, though he's out of sight, out of mind from his brothers. He continues to do things. He gets some recognition. And then he gets accused of something he didn't do. As sometimes happened, even yet to this day, people in power want what they want, and they don't accept no for an answer. And to say no is detrimental to one's character and place and status. Though not my point this morning, I think one of the truths of the Joseph story is people of integrity are willing to take the consequences for doing what is right at all costs. And that cost him prison. Again. Can you imagine what Joseph is experiencing? These awful things. He finally got out of jail, per se. He's finally in a place where there's some kind of semblance of freedom and what he knows of life, and he gets put right back there. Which is chapter 39. And there in prison, he, he has some friends that come to visit him. High-ranking officials of the Pharaoh, the world leader, the powerhouse of the day. And he helps him out. And all he asks is, remember me. Remember me when things go as I believe they will go. And so he gives them what they want, and, he, and we read these words in Genesis 40, verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot. Wow. Awful things that Joseph has experienced. Awful things that you and me can, will experience in this world. Here are a couple things that I just want to highlight that maybe like you. Joseph suffered injustice. This wasn't just bad things happening to good people. This was true injustice. Soul by his brothers, accused of what he did not do, suffering the consequences. Injustice exists. You may experience it. You may sense it. You may uh, see it with your own eyes. Joseph had injustice happen to him. Beyond many things that he experienced. Joseph didn't just suffer injustice. Joseph was forgotten. I'm not sure which of the two was worse. And I'm not going to lean with you, Lila. I can, I can handle many things and I have the sense that I'm remembered, that someone still cares. But here Joseph does a good deed. Joseph does what he believes is right, and all he asks is to be remembered, and what happens, he's forgotten. There is a pain when you feel like no one notices. That's why one of the 
best things we can try to do, and I try to do it. I don't always do it well. Is when, when, when you all have been gone for three to four weeks, I, I like to just see and go, hey, I noticed you've been gone. Because I want you to know that I know that you weren't here, but you have your own reasons. They may be good reasons. They may not be good reasons. It doesn't necessarily matter to me as long as you know that I know you, that I, I miss you. I noticed that we're not here. There's something powerful with that. And we can do that to one another. I mean, we all sit in about the same seats. All right? Not many of you move. Keep track of your neighbors. You know? Uh, you know, keep track of who's in front of you and who's beside you. Some of you, there's no one behind you. All right? So you're always going to be looking forward. But Leland knows when Paul and Patty haven't been here for a while because they're normally right in front of him. You know? And Leland has his own ways of saying, I've missed you. I noticed you weren't here. You know? Uh, but notice those things and just start asking. Find each other out. Those of you online, it's one of the reasons I ask that you let us know you're there so we can kind of keep track of when have you not been here. Joseph was forgotten. He experienced awful things. He, he experienced injustice. He was forgotten. And the story goes on as he has another thing outside of his control where he and the others experience a famine. Experience the worst of the worst that could happen in those days. So before we move on, I want to ask you this question, which is true of you? How are you like Joseph? Can you think of your own pains and hurts and traumas that seem to have a lasting effect? Maybe the Lord is even bringing something to mind you try to forget. Make note of that. You don't have to engage it much this morning, but make note of that. Because that may be where the Lord is going to say, I want you to remember that differently. Moving forward, because there is hope. And Joseph does this, teaches us this, this morning. And so, if you will, go on over to chapter 45. Because one of the great truths of the story of Joseph is, yet in the midst of all the pain, the injustice, the experiences of life, Joseph learns about God's power and faithfulness. We read in chapter 45, where when Joseph's brothers finally came to him, Joseph says, starting in verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. I get that. If you thought someone was left forever, and all of a sudden you are reminded of what you have done to them because they now stand face to face with you as a way of leaving you speechless. As a way of going, uh-oh, in many ways. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. Can you imagine how, though he may mean it innocently, how 
they may have taken that. The closer they are to the one they have formed, the easier it is for vengeance. I mean, Joseph is pretty powerful at this point in time. No one would probably second guess what he would do. And he says to them, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. God's power. I don't think what Joseph says here was easy to do by any stretch of the imagination. This didn't happen overnight either. It was a long time of processing and I think recalling what he remembered. He didn't just forget who these people were, but he remembered there was someone greater over, over top of them. And he learned God's power. He did not give in to bitterness, to victimization and a victim identity and just sit in a dungeon and waste away to nothing. He didn't just let that continue to be the defining characteristic of himself. Why does he say, I'm the one you sold? I think he was wanting them to make sure they knew he's the same God. It isn't just someone who can act like Joseph. Who can take on this identity of Joseph? It is the identifying characteristic that only Joseph and his brothers would know about. It is that insider secret that only those on the inside find. None of the others knew who these people were. As the story goes, none of the others knew of maybe the past of Joseph. I mean, they knew he came up in ranks. But when you're number two in a nation, they really probably don't care where you came from. And he says, God sent me ahead of you. So then, verse 8, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. Joseph decided to remember his hardships differently. He allowed God to redeem him, his past, and his brothers. One of the things that I've had to struggle with is not just to allow Christ to redeem me, to be accepted into his family, but allow him to redeem my past and my present and my future hurts and pain and trauma. And that is a different process where I have to continually submit to who he is and his power. And when I allow God to redeem, when I start to remember differently, forgiveness will allow me to love others. Forgiveness will allow me to extend that forgiveness to them as appropriate. Forgiveness will allow me to seek the greater good when I could be selfish 
We talked about the intimacy last week, and you can find that online. But talked in this story was Joseph didn't have to necessarily treat his brothers fairly when they come for food during a famine. Grain was a pretty important commodity. He could have sent them back. He could have put them, he could have made them do other things. Yet he didn't. But for the forgiveness he found wasn't just here, because if you'll flip with me to chapter 50, as we start to transition to linger at this table some more, we read in chapter 50, verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Can I tell you something? They're not remembering differently at this point in time. They are remembering as it happened just maybe years before. They're not remembering anything different based on the character. All of a sudden now, their father, who was, at least in their idea, this mediator, Joseph won't harm us because dad's still around. As long as dad's here, we're safe. Yes. So they come up with this. They send word to Joseph. Notice here, even here, they're not willing to get close to him. And this is what we have to struggle against. We can't let our past hurts, our present hurts, our traumas, our pain, our baggage get in the way of relationships with others because we, we aren't letting God redeem them. And that's hard, and that is a process. But it's possible. They send word saying, your father left these instructions before he died. Now, we have no, no way of knowing whether he really did or not. My guess is the brothers are really just hoping this satisfies Joseph. Said, your, brother, your father left these instructions. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to Joseph, he wept. He wept, I believe, in part because they didn't see what was already given. Because they were unwilling to receive the forgiveness from Joseph. And some of you may be holding a grudge from somebody else who, is, who has extended forgiveness, thinking you're going to be up, the person up. And God wants to say, no, you gotta, if they've asked for forgiveness, you, can, you need to forgive them. Or maybe no one has asked for forgiveness. You, have, you get forgiveness. Notice in the story, Joseph's brothers, this is the first time they're really asking for forgiveness. Joseph gave it years earlier. Accept and receive forgiveness. Give it. Let, uh, let the forgiveness allow you to let you to love others. I think he wept because he, they weren't getting it. But then we read these words. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, he said. They said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Am I God? Interesting enough, 
being almost second in command to none other than Pharaoh in the plan of Egypt. Pharaoh was God. He could do as he pleased, and you were not to go against. Joseph understood his place. You intended to harm me. He remembers, he remembers well. He was a realist. He knows they meant harm. He doesn't sugarcoat that. But God, my favorite words in all of Scripture, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then do not be afraid. See, but God, but the cross of God says this, and then we have to go to the so then we can forgive. But God did this. He loved us with an everlasting love. So then we can extend forgiveness out. But God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are no longer a slave to our past and to our sins. So then we can remember differently this day and every day moving forward. In this world, you will have trouble. But God has overcome the world. So then let your hearts be comforted. A paraphrase of the words of Jesus in John chapter 14. I, and he goes on to say, he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. But God. When we choose to be defined by what has happened to us, and there are awful things that happen, we fail to let a but God moment come. We fail to let and to allow God to begin. As many of you know, you know, part of my, my past is I was 22, 21, 22 months old. When weather very similar to this caused my father to lose control of his car and hit a tree head on, snap his neck. Talk about a pain, a hurt, a trauma. Now, I don't remember. I mean, I was too young. I thank the Lord in some ways for that. I wouldn't wish that on my enemy. You know? I wouldn't wish that on, on let alone anyone I really care about and love, but I wouldn't wish that on many others, though it happens all the time. I could be defined by that. And there are many times I was somewhat defined by that. You know, that, that changed the course of life. I'm only Larry's neighbor in here today because of that traumatic experience. Aren't you happy? Thrill. But if I'm not, if I don't let God, if I didn't let God redeem it, if my mother did not let God redeem that, if my grandmother did not let God redeem that. They, there would be no joy growing up in our household. Okay? There would be nothing but sorrow instead of joy. But God redeemed that so we can be thrilled that I'm Larry's neighbor. Because that put in course an action of God's faithfulness and power where we can say, though that was meant to harm me, not from my dad, not from the railroad, 
where he had to pick up a nail in his car, not from the, the weather, but just from life in general. That could have been tremendously harmful. And if you know the statistics of those who grow up without fathers in the home, there are things that are not pleasant about that. We, I believe we as the church need to step up for those who have a mother or father out of the home for whatever reason. And, and the church was the church that did that for them. But when God redeems and we can get to the point where we can say, this was meant to hurt me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done. That takes us a submission to him. Have those, uh, have that 41 plus years always been easy to let God redeem that? Oh, no. You know, I, I, I fondly remember even yet last night we were playing catch in the backyard. No windows were broken at this time. Okay? And, and if I didn't let my past be redeemed, I probably wouldn't be able to do that. Because I didn't have anyone in the backyard going with me. There was no dad there. Not Grandpa Drive. He gave him well to his shins. Because he couldn't grow well. You know. But I, if, I'm, if I'm defined by my past loss, I can't be present with three others. Do I think fondly of that December evening? No. But I can remember it differently. Even than I did 10 years ago. And then there are moments in life where we must allow God to redeem that issue again and again. I think I shared from this uh, place, and I share now to let you know how, how it is possible when Daniel was born, it was my uh, greatest uh, day of my life in a lot of ways, and it was the scariest day of my life in a lot of ways. Because here I realized that he wasn't born just yet, but it was about 345 to 4.15 on that morning, sitting in a chair at Fort Hamilton Hospital in Hamilton, Ohio, near the window. I had learned earlier that day not to touch Alicia, not to speak to her. <laughs> and that was, that was out of love that I learned that. Out of love she told me that. Right? And, you know, you, some of you might think of, and all of a sudden the reality hit me. Here soon, I'm really going to be a father. And it was, uh-oh, I don't know how to do this. And it was, it was also a reminder of I didn't even have a bad example to know what not to do. So what did I do? I emailed my, my dad's book. The part of the trauma in our family, on that side at least, is when my dad was five years old, his dad was killed in a car accident on the side of a highway. 
to talk about trauma being passed on in my parents. So I emailed my uncle, because I knew there was a moment in my uncle's life where maybe he had something different. I didn't want to be forgotten. I didn't want to be all alone. So I emailed him and says, how did you do this? I have not a clue. And by the grace of God, he's awake. Now, I think he was a morning person. I am not, but still, at 4.30 in the morning, it's still early for anybody. And it was before 5 o'clock, I had an email to call from my uncle to ignore the truth of grace and of the redemption of God. Of but God moments. I don't know what your history is, maybe. Some of you I do. I don't know what part of Joseph's story will resonate with you. But here's what I know. We come to this table, and this is the exclamation point of, but God. Here. That God doesn't just want to save us from our sins. He wants to redeem us and our past into a glorious future. In our devotions this week, we'll be in uh, Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture, where it starts out that because of Christ, therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Some of your pain, some of your past will bring up shame, maybe because of what has happened to you or what you have done to somebody else. And we take up the stick of condemnation really well. But we must let, let our lives be known as a but God, but Christ moment where we look at this, we look at the cross, and we look at this table that is a reminder every week in this church or every month in this church. But God says there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Because if you are in Christ, your not only present is redeemed, your past is redeemed. Not only is your past and your present redeemed, but your future is redeemed. Or you inherit something you do not deserve. Glory itself. And so I ask, as we come to this table, that we would linger with it this day.